Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last AMA and uh, community updates for Rosenbridge for 2023. Uh, we're living in some really exciting times. I'm just going to give it about five minutes or so for more people to join. Uh, in the meantime, if you don't mind, please retweet this uh, space so we can get more eyes on it. Um, hang tight for the next three to five minutes so more people can join and we're going to kick things off. So this space is, uh, is meant to be, you know, an update from uh, the Rosenbridge team. Um, and at the same time, it's going to be an AMA. So we're, we're going to be expecting you guys to come up and, you know, share your thoughts, your comments, your questions with us. Um, I know that everyone is very, very excited. Uh, we've been getting quite a few um, amazing updates uh, the last few days from, from guards, from watchers. We see stats coming up. We see transactions happening, test transactions happening. Um, and we just, you know, it's, it's a very, very exciting journey that we've been uh, in the past few months. So I think it's, you know, it's quite important today to, you know, to hear from, from everyone from the community, you know, your thoughts, your comments. How do you feel about what's happening? Um, I think as we get close to the, to the end of 2023, um, it'll be a good space for all of us to see how things started uh what back in back in summer i think uh and even before that actually and and where we are right now so again i'm super excited for this space i think um i think we already have quite a few people that have joined uh from the ergo and cardano community and i'm really looking forward to to hear everybody's thoughts and um and feedback with that being said we have amhs sam with us and of course we have joe arminio um up here that from the rosenbridge team and um i'm theodore aka seth from the zengay team um and we're really looking forward for the conversation mr sam i will start with you how are you doing today sir Doing well, how are you? Hello everyone. Uh, uh, it's my pleasure to be here today. And uh, uh, we have very exciting times ahead, hopefully. Yes, sir, indeed. Joe, how you doing? Are you here, Joe? <laughs> maybe not well uh mo until joe comes comes close to his phone um do you mind if we just start with how rosen came up uh how how did you come with um you know with this with this whole idea i'm pretty sure joe will be able to um fill in uh the blacks and I can see that he has some uh, connectivity issues. So can we just start with that? Um, MHS, do you mind just give, giving us the, an overview of how did we come up with the Rosenbridge idea? Uh, sure. Uh, <clears throat> uh, somehow I, I cannot say that the idea uh, wasn't 
actually one time idea, a complete idea that came to my or others' mind, and uh, we start implemented it. But uh, it was a, a simple idea that uh, actually made bigger and bigger and better and better during time, and uh, we changed a lot of stuff uh, around it uh, till reach the protocol that you can see now and uh, it actually started uh, when we uh, tried to build uh, a few bridges uh, to ergo and uh, for example uh, we worked with uh, wormhole gravity and uh, suzy and uh, we were in we were in touch with uh, a few other bridges in order to be connected to them and uh, Actually, during the test phases of uh, joining Gravity and Suzy, uh, and, and because they are uh, some kind of wormhole bridge, uh, the wormhole attacked. And uh, uh, it was ready, actually, to be deployed on Ergo. And we are testing it that the news came up that uh, a wormhole is getting hacked. And uh, we started wondering uh, if we can build our own bridge and uh, make a better uh, assumption, use better assumptions to build a bridge uh, based on uh, what Ergo is actually and uh, based on what uh, EUTX on model is. And uh, you know, uh, uh, almost all of the bridges out there uh, are have been created based on uh, the concept of EVM and uh, uh, having the uh, function calls in mind. And uh, it's pretty hard and somehow different to be connected to them uh, for both Ergo and Cardano. And uh, utilizing the features of the UTXO model, uh, we came up to this idea, and because uh, Ergo and Cardano are uh, very cheap networks, uh, because they don't have gas fees, uh, it will enable us to do some uh, more reportings, for example. Uh, if you uh, compare us with Nomad, you can see that they are very conservative on uh, creating new t uh, transactions because uh, they are trying to avoid transaction because of the uh, gas fees. But uh, on Ergo and Cardano, it's pretty easy to generate a lot of transactions and uh, still do not pay a lot in gas fees. So uh, then came up uh, the uh, idea of Rosenbridge. Uh, at first, it was a one-layer uh, protocol that uh, guards uh, was actually uh, in charge of do everything, but uh, uh, somehow it was uh, Joe's idea to separate uh, these two aspects, and uh, it's a, a pretty common idea in a financial board when you have uh, the clearance and settlement networks apart, and um, yeah. Uh, after that, we start developing it, and uh, then uh, we came with the idea of collaterals, 
and uh, making the washer set uh, completely open uh, and uh, having the collateral and permit um, concepts. And uh, yeah, so it's not a, it was not a f uh, full set of ideas, but it was uh, evolving during this long time till we uh, reached uh, actually this moment. Thank you so much, Sam. Uh, I see Joyce here. I see Joyce here. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. I have kind of a abusive relationship with Twitter, it seems. It always gets me stuck between listener and speaker. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things that hopefully after 2024, we will stop seeing these kind of, you know, um, Twitter spaces, glitches that are happening throughout 2023. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing today? Ah, man, I'm so pumped about uh, about our space today. I've been waiting for this for for quite a while now, so I'm I'm very happy that we get to do to to, to get everybody together actually, and you know, just talk about the things that we've accomplished so far. And you know, I always like since it's the last Twitter space um, of the year, I always like to you know look back and see how things were back in January 2023 and, you know, how how things are now. So my, you know, that's why I started with Sam and asked him, you know, how did we come up with, with Rose and Brits in the, you know, in the very, very beginning uh, when it was just an idea. And he, he, he actually gave us a, a very good, um, you know, background or history of, of how, how things came up uh, to have Rosen on what it is right now. So I just wanted to ask you, Joe, as well, like, and obviously you've kind of touched based on it, um, on, on the spaces or calls that we've done. Um, but why is Rosen, you know, so important in, in your head? And why do you think that, you know, what we're accomplishing right now is going to change or have a big impact to the whole ecosystem, not just Cardano, not just Ergo, but the whole blockchain space um, as a whole. Well, um, I think good ideas are often born from frustration, right? And there's a couple of just structures in the crypto space that, well, frankly, irritate the shit out of me. I, I mean, you know, I would say one aspect uh, is this idea of black boxes and exchanges, right? We live in a world where the rehypothecation of money is so common that it's just accepted, right? If you go to a bank, um, you know, you put in a deposit, you know, it's loaned out. It's given as uh, collateral for someone else. And you know, we, we accept that that's normal, right? You know, hopefully they can cover uh, the withdrawal process. Otherwise, you get a banking crisis. Well, we've seen in the crypto space that when there's no segregation between, like, deposits and accounts, and then um, basically people seeking leverage or risk for a return, it's abused, right? Um, so... You know, it's, it's an open question, like how many exchanges are, you know, whether loaning their own funds or customer funds, and how do we know? We really don't, right? We've got this idea of like um, proof of reserves, but it's very incomplete. It shows nothing about liability. Right? So on a very basic level, 
part of what Rosen does is it segregates deposits on chain. It's continuously audited. And so, you know, you can have a very clear assumption. It's backed one to one with no rehypothecation. And I think that even something that simple is really important because no other exchange really offers that to their customers. Um, you know, the second is this idea of cost um, for market access, right? Um, you know, I've been around enough to where I've seen most of the exchanges price sheets um, to where I know if a project wants to list in this exchange, they need to have this much uh, money for the security deposit. They need to have X amount uh, for market making funds. They need to hire a market maker. And so it creates this barrier of entry to where um, it can be very difficult for, you know, even projects that are very technically adept and, you know, they're, they're useful, right? Like, like they actually serve a function and a purpose beyond just, I don't know, bonking new users, uh, speculation, right? And oftentimes the barrier to entry um, into becoming, you know, a more commonly known or used protocol uh, is just a heavy lift, Right. And so then that skews the market to where a venture capital and insiders have a massive advantage in terms of overcoming that barrier to entry. And frankly, a lot of the time they just dump on retail. So that irritates the shit out of me um, just because it gives the space a bad name uh, as a whole. And I think the last thing is this idea um, to create uh, incentives across different groups of mechanics, right? So, um, you know, as we move towards, uh, you know, Rosen launching and then the process of having kind of clear, um, well, let's just say clear terms of support, which, again, I, I don't know of an, another exchange in the space that, um, you know, we'll openly say this is what you need to do to list with us, right? That's usually a, its own little secret. <laughs> um, I think that we can build some neat things that actually drive community and reward community for work effort um, and actually build more of a peer-based exchange versus uh, something that's, you know, very much siloed and controlled from the top down. So I would like to shift uh, some of the reward mechanisms and incentives to the public um, and have them, you know, basically play a role uh, and also give them better assumptions. And, you know, again, that goes into rehypothecation and um, just unknown risks so I, I think that, at least in my mind, a, a large part of Rosen is born from certain frustrations that I have with the crypto space. And so it's one thing to, you know, bitch and moan about it, but it's another thing to try to build a better alternative. Yeah, I totally hear you about that. And just to follow up uh, with, with the frustrations that, you know, you just brought up, there was another, another kind of frustration that I personally had. Um, you know, way before I even see the, you know, the written proposal for Rosen and whatnot that we put in for Fund 10. And to your point, 
it's I think one of the most important things that Rosen Bridge um, has is that it's a community based bridge, right? It's all about community and why it became a little bit more personal and, and dear um, to my heart is because I'm a, I'm a stateful operator myself, right? And we've all seen it. People from the Cardano ecosystem understand what I'm going to say. Um, and obviously people from the Ergo ecosystem might not know about that, but I think it's a good thing. And that's why I'm bringing this up is that many, many state pool operators that are running this decentralized ecosystem that we've been talking about for so long, but you know, we had issues with some of the parameters, for example, and you know, things were not as decentralized as we want them to be. And that had as a result of a lot of pools retiring. A lot of people having a bitter taste on their mouth because of how things work. And there was a big need for, for a change, for, for, for another option, because ultimately when you're running a node, when you're running a validator, you know, nobody tells you that, oh, you, you have to become, uh, you know, <laughs> you need to be a marketing uh, expert, you need to be a business uh, expert and whatnot, right? And, and in your head, you you know, in the very beginning, you're like, okay, I'm going to run a validator, you know, and I'll, I'll do the maintenance and whatnot, but that's about it. So we've seen, we've seen after Shelly and, and how, how Cardano has been evolving, we've seen the need for a new stream of income for for all the stake pool operators out there and you know we kind of saw that happening with batchers and you know with different dexes that would use you know 10 20 30 uh different stake pool operators to help them with this kind of uh situation and you would see an extra income but it was still not open for everyone Right. So as soon as we started discussing, and that was even before Pro Project Catalyst comes comes uh, back, um, we had this conversation. And as soon as um, I think I, I was on a call with Joe and, and Sam, Sam Lambert from Zengate, and we just started discussing about Rosen and this whole idea. And I was just hooked right away because, again, to Joe's point, it's more of a community project than anything else. Um, I really believe that every single person, either you're a community member or you're a stake pool operator or you're a, uh, a project that has their own token and would like to have better liquidity or more liquidity and whatnot or access to different ecosystems. I think it's a win for everybody. And the most important thing is, you know, and we will get to that, is the listing fees. And where do these fees go? They leave our ecosystem, right? They get to somebody's pocket and that's that. Nobody else really wins in the ecosystem. So I just wanted to, you know, touch, touch on that, give a, a little bit of a, of a how did we get into this whole idea around Rosen. And I think now it's a good time for us to get into the, you know, more into the weeds uh, of the conversation. And again, I just want to let everybody know in this room, this is an open conversation. By all means, I would like to have a full panel of speakers up here asking questions. Give your feedback. I see a lot of guards. I see a lot of watchers um, that have already onboarded. So, you know, getting your experience, getting your feeling, your feedback around this whole um, initiative that um, we've taken in the past months. I think it's quite important for all of us to give our, you know, our small bit today and, and 
get the feeling from everybody. And I'm hoping that it's not going to be all good. You know, we would like to get some constructive feedback as well because nobody's perfect. So with that in mind, again, I would like to give back the mic to, to Joe and maybe take us, you know, give us a little bit of an overview of how things were, how things started. Um, obviously, you know, Sam explained to us that it was, it took us a while until we get to a um, two layer um, uh, validation and whatnot. So Joe, can you, you know, give us, give us the spill of how things have been over the past, I don't know, at least six months. Um, what were kind of the, quote unquote worries that you had back then How, is it going to work out is is the cardano community going to get behind this like what were your thoughts back then and and how things are now well i think that whenever you build in this space you have two challenges in parallel and it's actually hard to say which one is more difficult right the first is to deliver a solid product with um, solid security assumptions, right? And that can be its own journey, you know, of building and testing and fixing bugs and updating and, um, you know, kind of marching towards a final product, right? And then in parallel, you have this idea of using uh, a token to create incentives, right? And that model needs to work because if if the incentives aren't in alignment with the protocol, then um, you know, there's not going to be an incentive to use it. And so, uh, you know, I would say the last six months, uh, it, at least in, in my brain, what I've been kind of kicking around is how do you how do you balance that? Right. How do we have a system that's fair, that um, rewards participation, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, I, I would say hopefully long term, not just, you know, people that are running infrastructure, but, you know, if if you know, what other products can we potentially build around this that don't, um, you know, create internal leverage or risk in Rosen, but rather reward and incentivize behavior that supports the protocol. Uh, so that's kind of been its own journey thought experiment, uh, you know, and, and as MHS stated when uh, he started, you know, it's kind of been one step at a time. Uh, I would say, you know, we still have a lot of, uh, you know, ideas for the future, uh, you know, as we're trying to you know, catch up the past with the present. So, um, you know, in terms of uh, worry, um, you know, I, I'm really impressed with how uh, active and the community, uh, specifically, you know, watchers, um, you know, spinning up infrastructure, assisting each other. You know, we kind of underestimated <laughs> the um, participation, which is awesome. Right. It's it's like it's pretty cool to see a lot more people show up and support, you know, the idea um, than we originally anticipated. And, you know, actually for us, it's then created like a opportunity where we need to uh, set up, you know, uh, some scaling for watchers before we thought we would need to. Talk about that a little bit, because because that was quite quote unquote funny. Right. Because I remember I just remember the conversations that you and I had uh back back in the days and and now i saw i think i think yesterday or or the day before uh somebody saying oh we reached the capacity <laughs> of waters and now we gotta you know we gotta expand that so what is the feeling around this well whenever you're working with uh blockchain you have limited box sizes right 
And so if you, if those of you that have kind of been in and around these conversations, you know, the goal was to say, okay, if we can get 20 independent audits, um, you know, that's, that's pretty solid. Um, you know, that would, you know, require, you know, in the mid 20 uh, to 30 watchers on the network. Um, and, you know, here before we even have a live UI, we've already hit uh, 77. So then, you know, we have a solution uh, in terms of adapting beyond that, but uh, it's a threshold that we thought we would have more time before we hit. So, you know, then it's a matter of saying, okay, well, now we need to reorganize our resources a little bit. And, um, you know, that definitely will help Rosen in the future. So, uh, you know, keep up with the times, I guess. Yeah, that's that's uh, that is true. Um, now I know I know that we have you know obviously you know some latest updates. Maybe I'm gonna ask you about that a little bit later. Uh, but I just want to get back to you know get the whole feeling around around Rosen so everybody can understand, right? Uh, obviously, Rosen is not just a bridge, and there has been a very nice. Um, way of you explaining it joe as you know as the airport and there's different airlines that we can slowly start having on that airport do you want to expand a little bit on this so everybody can understand exactly what rosen is and what it will be um after the next uh, iterations sure um so if i were to explain this to my grandmother right i would say well the the first thing that rosen is is it's a type of bank okay and you know if we go back to like the let's just say hard money times where you know money was uh let's say gold um you know you would usually have a central repository and then you would have uh paper because obviously gold's kind of hard to carry around uh that represented gold in the vaults right and, you know, in traditional banking, eventually people figured out that, hey, we can have more paper in circulation than we have backing. And unless everybody comes to claim it, you know, it works. Uh, Rosen is transparent, right? Everybody can see the vault at all times. And uh, it's continuously audited, right? That's a, just a part of the mechanics of Rosen itself. Now, when you get into the airport analogy, a different blockchains are like their own uh, economy. They're like their own country. You know, blockchains are blind and dumb when it comes to in, outside of its ledger, right? And that requires extra programming. So a part of what Rosen does is it creates um, essentially these claims across ecosystems that can all be redeemed one-to-one. -one. Um, now, in terms of the airport analogy, you know, whenever you get on a airplane, you usually have to, you know, verify you have a seat on the airplane, right? <laughs> and so a part of what uh, the watchers do is they're continuously auditing um, transactions. Now, every time that we add a new ecosystem, it gives uh, market participants in that ecosystem access to external assets, but it also gives projects um, access to liquidity in those ecosystems, right? So, like, it, I'll use the example of Binance. Uh, if you list on Binance, you have 
exposure to all of their users, right? Um, everybody with a Binance account can potentially, you know, find your asset and invest in your project. Well, when you're going cross-chain, you open it up to where all Cardano users uh, will then have access to various projects, and all Ethereum users will have various access to um, different projects, you know, depending on what marketplaces they're on and what's the liquidity depth, et cetera, et cetera. But it makes um, assets more accessible. That's kind of the point. Now, in terms of, like, the core... Uh, infrastructure itself um you know i i would hope that people understand the importance of having uh clear collateral and uh no path for rehypothecation or you know lending out assets and not having a proper backing uh you know we don't want to be a fractional reserve system and sometimes even exchanges have you know gotten in trouble uh where you know, they probably um, had their own internal product projects, their own internal risk factors, and, you know, maybe or maybe not we're, we're able to cover all the deposits. I've seen, you know, them disappear, the ability to withdraw in volatile times, and sometimes you have to ask what's happening. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I know MHS has some... Technical difficulties, but uh, he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be back here with us. I just wanted to touch base a little bit on the architecture of the bridge. Um, again, it's on this on this space. I know we've covered it quite a few times, but since we have this as you know a twenty twenty three recap, I think it's quite important to just go over the architecture of the bridge, um, and then we can obviously talk more about uh, guards, waters, and and what's happening uh, what's happening right now. Uh, so maybe just go over the architecture a little bit, give it a um, give us a, a nice high level overview, and then we can get over the guards and watchers uh, in more depth. All right. So Rosen is a two layer bridge, um, as MHS alluded to. Uh, it's kind of a distributed um, clearance and settlement process. Um, what the watchers do is they're auditors, basically. And so they collectively audit and take transactions through the clearance process. Uh, once an event verification, you know, consensus has been reached, they notify um, the second layer, which goes through the settlement process, which, uh, you know, requires, you know, re-auditing and then the release of funds. Thank you, Joe. Um, damn, I, I got so many questions, but I just don't want to be that person that asks all the questions. <laughs> uh, I, again, I just want to give uh, extend my invitation to everybody in the in the audience that would like to come up and uh, ask any questions that you might have. Um, I'm just going over the website. I know that we already have the guard set. Um, you know, on the website we have Spectrum, Ergopad, Lilium. Minotaur and Ergo Raffle. Uh, Zengate has a guard, Sigma Knots, and we also have Rosencore 1 and 2. Um, I'm just so excited that there's a lot of, uh, you know, Ergo projects on here. Are we planning on 
big stints we're going to be obviously connecting to Cardano. Are we planning on having some guards from the Cardano side at some point? What's the what's the plan there? If you can share that information. Sure. Sure. So the uh, roadmap or path for Rosen has always been to uh, harden itself over time, and that will require um, expanding the guard set. Now, that uh, is kind of a future problem for us. Now, you know, there's a couple of different aspects we need to look at. Uh, the first being cost and collateral. Right, because guards themselves need to have skin in the game in order to uh, incentivize honest behavior, and so that's something that collectively we need to see how Rosen uh, is working. We need to kind of get an idea of uh, kind of the volume and profitability of a guard in order to set a healthy uh, level of collateral. So that's data dependent. Um, I would say that in like the initial testing on on ergo uh we can build that uh set out to uh, as high as around 30 right which um you know that's going to be a pretty uh pretty robust uh consensus um if we can reach that point and i think we will in time but the first thing we need to do um, is to make sure that the underlying security assumptions are solid, which is what we've been doing in building, testing, etc. Then as we roll out, we need to look at um, scaling, right? Scaling potentials, permits in the system. And so we get into this idea of kind of data-dependent adaptation. Um, Rosen itself is modular by design, so we do have parameters we can tweak that... Uh, can optimize the performance of the bridge, uh, you know, and that always has to be kind of uh, taken into account with the security assumptions and economic incentives of the bridge. So that's going to be kind of an ongoing, you know, debate discussion um, as data comes in. But I would uh, hope that, you know, in the future we do build out kind of a conglomerate of projects across ecosystems that all have uh, pretty solid principles in terms of resilience and delivering a um, open and fair bridge, right? Uh, sometimes uh, when you look into uh, where the space is going, uh, you know, I would say open ecosystems and uh, kind of equal access is being challenged. There's no other way to put it, you know, whether it's um, the potential for censoring transactions on Bitcoin or Ethereum, et cetera. Uh, that's something that personally I hope we never see. Uh, but, you know, one downside to actually giving up power is you do not have absolute control, right? So it has to be a... Uh, decision that's reached by consensus. And so that's something that, you know, on Ergo itself, I hope that in 2024 we see Paideia roll out um, and that will give us very uh, solid set of tools to work more on the management governance and scale of that. Uh, so it's something that long-term you shouldn't really be asking me, you should be asking the collective because, you know, I, I'm just one guy 
you're just going to be one of the many. <laughs> which is which is very very good because that's that's I guess that's how open source uh, protocols should, should be, right? Um, with that being said, I think it's uh, one more question that I have to ask, and I, I've already seen some of the questions uh, on the comment section, which uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in into that uh, in a few minutes. But just you know, just to answer that question, we we discussed about the guards. Um, maybe can we cover you know somebody that listens to our uh, this space now or or later on. Um, and they would like to participate as watchers, how can they do that? Well, the first thing that somebody needs to do uh, if they want to be a watcher is they need to uh, gather collateral. That collateral is refundable, but it's an economic cost, right? And that economic cost is important because without some barrier, uh, it would be very easy for any actor out there to spin up multiple instances and, uh, you know, essentially create like a spam or DDoS vector. Um, so we want to <clears throat> create a certain civil resistance, which is like an economic barrier. Um, now, again, that is refundable. Uh, then they would need to go through the process of setting up the infrastructure. We're seeing a lot of great uh, community tutorials that have come out. Um, I hope that that continues and uh, I would say definitely join, you know, one of the Rosen channels if there's any questions or uh, help that's needed. Generally, the community has been amazing uh, in terms of, you know, reaching out and helping people set up that infrastructure. And then there's a question of permits, right? Um, permits are essentially uh, kind of the cost of dishonesty in the Rosen system when it comes to auditing to where if somebody modifies the software and starts reporting false transactions, there's a cost to that. Um, that uh, collateral in terms of the permit reporting is subject to seizure and it's a part of the incentive for honesty in the Rosen framework. Just to touch on the permits uh, a little bit more, because I've seen I've seen that comment on you know on Discords. I got that comment on my DMs quite a few times, um, and it's about the permit. It's about the permit cost. Um, are we thinking at some point to you know maybe we can bring the cost down? And obviously, I know this is not an Arminio or an AMHS Sam um, decision. Uh, to to your point earlier, obviously this is going to be a federated. Um, you know, process that will happen. Uh, but I just want to touch base on that as well, because that's that's a comment that we've been hearing a lot. Oh, the permit is so expensive and I cannot run a watcher because of that. So just your thoughts around this. Yeah, I think that uh, we need to rebalance um, costs, both in terms of the collateral it takes to become a watcher and the cost of a permit periodically based on market conditions. Right. Uh, that was set, you know, when the Rosen uh, token launched on Ergo and it is more successful than we anticipated, I guess, uh, which then makes the uh, barrier of entry higher. Um, now, it is important, you know, long term for us to say, OK, well, what is the number of permits that is uh, that are available in the system? Right. Because the number of permits is somewhat 
connected to this idea of processing transactions. So it's a part of how we scale. So not only do we need to look at it from the perspective of cost, uh, barrier of entry, and price of dishonesty, we also need to look at it in terms of the bandwidth of the bridge itself. Because uh, you know, if we open it up to multiple assets and we add new chains, I think there's a certain assumption that we need to also um, scale our ability to process transactions along with that growth. Now, there's uh, part of that is kind of built into um, the tokenomics of Rosen, which is a little unique, where you know a large allocation of uh, tokens are reserved for new ecosystems. That way, uh, as we move in and set up markets, uh, we have the ability to set up new watchers, add permits to the system, and try to scale um, as we grow. So th that's always going to be an open question that we need to uh, kind of ask ourselves, debate amongst ourselves, and adapt. Uh, again, Rosen has a lot of modular parameters that are adjustable just for that reason, that it's not something that you just set it, forget it, and hope that, you know, it works forever. Yeah, thank you for that, Joe. And I think... I think uh, I'm just gonna go to the comments section super quick and go over the go over the comments and especially Jonathan's question can tie up very well with uh, with what's coming in 2024. Uh, so super quick from realistic clock, would it be a fair assessment to say watchers can become listing agents per se? With smiling face. You know, again, I've, I've, I've talked about this ability to create various incentives across different groups of mechanics, right? And so if I look at Rosen as a competitor to exchanges, I just know their business model, right? And so oftentimes what many exchanges will do is they'll have these people that work on commission. And so I'll use the example of Rosen uh, when Rosen hit CoinGecko, uh, which is price aggregator relatively popular uh suddenly our chats got flooded with these uh agents that you know some of them will represent crypto media some of them will represent exchanges and they're basically spamming the price packages for you know hey if you want an article on this website or if you want listed at this exchange this is the cost you tell me i'll help you set it up and generally their commission rate is five to 15%, right? And so then, you know, I have to ask the question and myself, you know, okay, well, uh, that's kind of the standard uh, model, right? We're going to have list fees. And so I think that in terms of like an incentive uh, to create the desired behavior, it's definitely something uh, to pursue. And then on the flip side, we have to look at the technical aspect, right? How do we, um, you know, create, enforce, and distribute that in a way that's fair and transparent? And so then you get into uh, kind of design choices and decisions, which is an ongoing discussion, right? I, I can't necessarily, uh, you know, say this is going to happen and it's already in place, but I can tell you that that's definitely been something I've been chewing on. And, you know, I could even say beyond that, uh, personally, I kind of like the idea of setting up some sort of uh, like passive 
vehicle to where if you're a user that um, holds Rosen, you know, maybe you can stake it somewhere and you could actually earn a small percentage of the list fees. Why not? Right. How cool would that be if, um, you know, let's say something like Binance actually passed money through and got into profit distribution. So there's a, there's a lot of incentives that we can potentially create, uh, you know, but then you have to go from the, uh, place of, hey, this is a great idea to technical implementation and managing complexity and systems and operations. And, you know, that that conversion process has not fully happened, if I'm honest. But that's where my head's at, um, because I, I think that having that type of public involvement with something that's publicly auditable it creates more of a public asset versus uh, a private enterprise. Thank you, Joe. Uh, there's actually a very good question that just came on the <laughs> on the comments. But before we get there, I just wanted to ask you because I think that's something that everybody would like to hear. What's the status right now? <laughs> how things are? How are we looking? When mainnet? Here, I asked that question it. for everyone. You know, for for. Those of you that, that aren't familiar, you get asked when a lot in when you're kind of building stuff. And it depends on variables that you just don't control, right? You're testing. It depends what comes up, uh, you know, what needs to be patched, improved, etc. So for a while, I've just been saying two weeks. Um, but today I will shift that and say two days. Now, we have been um, going through... Uh, process of testing. This is live on mainnet, right? Uh, those of you that haven't been watching, the allocation that will uh, be released uh, in our ISPO is already on the Cardano network. Um, personally, I think that we need to have the infrastructure to scale beyond 77 watchers. And I also think that as we... Um, kind of get into the process, costs, et cetera, of listing tokens, it would be really neat to create some incentives there for users um, that, you know, perhaps is a way for them, for projects to uh, market themselves and introduce themselves to the community. Uh, so I, I don't think that that ISPO is going to happen until at least we're ready to um, expand the watcher set. But that... Those funds are already locked um, on the Cardano network. The bridge is already functioning. Um, you know, actually, it's kind of a funny story uh, because everything is open source. Um, you know, we actually have one actor out there that's interacting with uh, the contracts around uh, our public-facing UI. Now, not at like, uh, let's say, heavy transaction costs, but somebody out there is already playing with our infrastructure and it works. Okay, so you you heard it here first. We're gonna we're gonna be well if we're not live right now. We're gonna be in two days. Um, wow, I'm I'm blown away actually. I wasn't expecting that answer, Joe. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, well, I guess uh, we all got the biggest answer that uh, that we wanted from from this Twitter space. Um, with that being said, with that being said, now I think it's. 
it's quite important to get to Jonathan's question, and then I will get to Doug's question as well. Um, but Jonathan asked the question, which ties in very, very well with um, with um, the uh, the the conversation. And Jonathan says, "Will the development for the breeds to Ethereum be affected?" And Ethereum, I, I will add EVM. Uh, be affected if the catalyst proposal that we put in for fund 11 uh, is not going to get funded. No, but it might be slower. I mean, that's so, just the that's yeah. just the honest answer is that, um, you know, those those type of funds uh, will go to development. Is it something that we have the capacity to carry ourselves in house? Sure. But it's just a way to act as an accelerator. Um you know, that's up to the Cardano community. I don't really uh, like to get into politics too much. I would just hope <laughs> if it's something that people see value in having that, you know, what we're going to build and offer open source to everybody, um, that they'll fund it. Yeah, and I think, do you, like, I know we have Katos, we have some questions in the comments, but I think it's really important for us to touch base just a bit on the fund 11 proposal that's in now we haven't really talked about it because we've been head down building um you know and wanted to get rosen um up and running but do you mind touching on uh f11 proposal what's there and why <laughs> sure so what we're going to do is research and development uh in terms of managing the costs of moving into uh ethereum now part of what that means is you know i actually i think it was a cardano thing for a long time I, and i apologize because i really don't track cardano development but i think that there was a thing that was like what was it erc20 converter that was going to take erc20 tokens and move them back and forth from cardano seamlessly well that's what rosen's going to do essentially uh we'd like to build it open source and the biggest um thing to be aware of there is that you're moving into an unpredictable fee environment right that's actually really hard to manage because well uh, anybody that's ever used eth um you know generally uh, gas can be a competitive market that can be highly volatile so you may have like a point where uh, the ability to transact costs, you know, two, three, four, five times more than it did last night, just depending on congestion. And so uh, we need to uh, create um, kind of tools to predict and try to smooth that. Uh, we also uh, need to um, have pretty clear parameters in terms of setting up uh, guard infrastructure, et cetera. And all of that would be open source and available for any project to reuse. Thank you, Joe. We got quite a few. We got a couple of hands in. Um, I just want to touch on the DAG question because I think that's, that's, uh, that's a nice one and um, it will help everyone paint the picture a little bit more. So how does a third chain affect the bridge opportunity? For example, we set up Cardano first and now we go ADA to ERG. But if we add Bitcoin, can you go ADA to Bitcoin? 
Could orders be set up between them with Ergo basically unseen in the order making, even if it's going through Ergo? So I'll, I'll stop here so we can touch on that and there's a, another follow-up. Sure. So there, there's two separate answers there. Um, Rosen uses the Ergo blockchain as a type of backend, right? So for the forward-facing user in the future, you would be able to send... Uh, let's just say Bitcoin to Cardano or Bitcoin to Ethereum. And you don't really need to know that the Ergo network is involved in that backend. It, it doesn't matter to the user, right? It's just part of the security assumptions of the bridge. Um, now, in terms of different networks, it depends what type of functionality that they have, right? You have Cardano, you have the ability to uh, create native assets. And so we can create a type of synthetic asset that you know represents something that is stored as collateral without any type of rehypothecation and solid security assumptions around it. So users can assume it's backed one-to-one, -one, right? Um, when you get into Bitcoin, um, you know, I don't think the BRC20 standard or whatever is probably going to come anywhere in the next decade, right? Bitcoin usually has a lot of neat ideas that, well, kind of never really go anywhere. Um, so it becomes uh, more of a limited bridge, right? But there's also a lot of value there because, well, you have collateral in the form of a network coin, that oftentimes does not have the capacity to um, create additional value or yield or, uh, you know, be exposed to DeFi or lending or uh, different DEX pairs, right? And so it is opening uh, assets to new markets, right? You know, I can say that once, uh, let's say, Bitcoin is integrated, we could have a Doge bridge or a Doge bridge, Um and, you know, then, okay, it's an asset. It has a lot of market depth. Uh, you know, then we can start having Doge-based DeFi if you wanted. Why not? Um, you know, maybe there's some uh, applications on either Cardano or Ergo or wherever that would want to take that um, as a type of asset and try to create a financial instrument with it. And so, you know, our goal with Rosen is not to be the... Uh, say tool that people use for risk and yield and leverage we want to be a transparent system of clear collateral and that's something that unfortunately when those two things are mixed where you have a system that holds collateral and uh you know it also has its own risk and yield and uh kind of opportunities for uh, games, usually the temptation is just too much. It's human nature. Yeah, so true. And uh, thank you, Joe, for your answer. I'm just going to go with a follow-up here. Is there a preview of the user experience anywhere? Curious if it's going to be a drop-down with all Cardano and Ergo tokens to swap, or if it's strictly ADA and Erg? Um, I think initially... Uh, we're going to be starting with, you can call it Rosen Light, right? Um, we've hit this period where we need to scale the watcher infrastructure. And once that occurs, 
uh, I would say we should have the structures and systems in place to start adding assets. Now, um, in terms of Rosen Light, it's going to be a combination of core assets, uh, which you know is ERG, uh, SIG USD, SIG Reserve, and Cardano, right? Or ADA, sorry, <laughs> ADA. Um, now we did have some testnet support from projects out there. And when you're, uh, building something open source and you have people that hop in and help, I respect that a lot. Um, we did have two, uh, tokens. We said, Hey, we need to use useless assets. Right. And so, you know, Hoski on the Cardano side and, uh, one of the meme coins comment on the Ergo side, uh, actually helped us out with testing where it's, you know, meant burn. And it was one of those things where, well, if there's a problem and we lose your assets, sorry, you know, it was a animal coin anyway. Uh, so those will be uh, supported just to show appreciation for the assistance. Um, now, after we hit the point where we have the ability to scale uh, beyond that watcher threshold of 77, then I think we're in a better position to start scaling projects because again, we, you know, the amount of permits and watchers in the system uh, is correlated to uh, the throughput of the system itself. So it's something that we need to have that scaling solution in place. And then we should be able to add new assets, adjust costs, et cetera, to um, basically uh, grow. Awesome, Armenia. Thank you so much for your answers. And I want to say a big thank you to our speakers up here that have been patiently waiting. Katos, the mic to you. Thank you so much for your patience. Hey, guys. Thanks very much for uh, letting me speak. Armenia, I've been a big fan. I've been in the ERG community for quite some time now. But my main question to you, or really anyone in the ERG Foundation, would you be able to elaborate fully on what coin, on what coin market cap has with the Ergo first-year token? I don't really understand um, what the consensus is with that. I, I'm not going to get into politics. Just what are they referring to with Ergo first-year token? Thanks. Sure. Sure. So Ergo, um, as a network, was in the testnet and development stage for oof, over two years, right? And so a part of how uh, the original uh, developers tried to get community support was to say, okay, we're going to have a certain amount of our token allocation that are mined, Um you know, and this is when mainnet launches, right? So when mainnet launches, every time a block is hit, the Ergo Foundation would get a certain block reward, right? And uh, so the idea was, uh, you know, we have to pay for, you know, development expenses because, well, it, it took two years of work and various test nets to build that we're going to airdrop the first year's reward um, from the foundation itself in order to deliver a product, right? And so that uh, was released on, I think it was Waves blockchain, uh, Waves Dex to say, hey, you know, if you, we're gonna airdrop this to users and, you know, you can, you know, buy, sell, trade, whatever, it's, it's a giveaway, uh, helps kind of build community. And we're gonna spend the next while, which ended up two and a half years to deliver a product. Right. And, you know, the kind of uh, promise there was that, you know, if you supported the 
uh, you know, ergo network development in that initial two years. Once funds were mined by miners, sent to the Ergo Foundation, the Ergo Foundation would honor them one-to-one for a period of time, right? So in a way, it was a type of uh, like collateralizing a future uh, treasury. And, you know, I have to say that considering the amount of time, work, effort, test nets, et cetera, that went into actually building uh, the core protocol of this ecosystem and delivered a promise, I think that uh, ultimately, you know, says something, especially in this space where a lot of the times people will sell things that just never happen. Um, So that was a part of how Ergo was born, right? Uh, It took quite a while quite a while to actually reach uh, the point of mainnet. Now, one thing that, uh, you know, I guess coin market cap uh, kind of had an issue with, to be honest, is just we didn't pay them. Um, you know, they were offering, hey, we'll fix this. You just need to give us X thousand dollars. And, uh, well, you know, instead of just saying, okay, well, sorry, and giving them money, uh, we said, you know, what is this here? A public data aggregator. Um, so if you look at like the amount of uh, ergo first year tokens that were circulating, uh, it was quite low, right? And sometimes uh, in the blockchain space, scarcity creates its own type of like synthetic value. So, you know, at that point in time, uh, well, you know, Chris, that was back when DentaCoin, the coin for dentists was, you know, huge and all kinds of, you know, Ethereum uh, speculative assets was, was popular. So, you know, the Ergo first year token kind of got caught up in that and some people, you know, spent a lot of money for it. And if you look at like a price chart, um, relative to like the actual market cap, there wasn't that much value uh, floating around out there in Ergo first year tokens, but relative to the cost of one coin, uh, it kind of creates a very different story when you look at like the price versus the total market cap and availability. And so that was uh, originally part of the um, discussion there was, you know, hey, this, this data doesn't really represent the main story. Uh, you can look at something, uh, you know, there's a ton of tokens that have been born on one chain and migrated to another. And usually, you know, even if they're, well, let's just say safe moon, which is a scam, they update their contract. Uh, you know, they get a new, uh, page, right. And so we said, Hey, you know, this asset was never on the Ergo blockchain. It was on the waves blockchain. You know, it's kind of a side story that uh, Alex built Scorex and uh, the Waves blockchain was created from Scorex. So there was kind of a natural overlap there in terms of R&D. Uh, so that, that coin was never actually on Ergo itself. And technically it wasn't a coin, it was a token, right? And so we had asked them, hey, can you, you know, segregate the charts? would be happy if you link them and say, this is how the Ergo network was born. Uh, but we didn't want to pay for, you know, honest information and, and created its own drama. I didn't actually uh, I didn't actually partake in like that initial decision. That was Mark, but I support him. You know, that kind of uh, sketchy stuff happens way too often in this space.
where people think something's a public service and it's just not. So my other part to this, um, how are we in with commodities and securities laws? I'm no security expert, but it kind of sounds like an ICO. How would you be able to say that it's a fair launch? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick, but I'm just curious. How is it able to be considered a commodity now? Well, there was no uh, expectation and reward there. It was, there was no cost. Right? It was an airdrop. Okay. Um, now, it is something that, uh, you know, was given away. There was no, like, monetary exchange or sale, even. Um, you know, when you get into security laws, the truth is it just depends on how definitions change, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, that's not just looking at, like, the foggy forest that uh, exists today, but also... You know, a stroke of a pen, it changes tomorrow. Um, you know, I would say in terms of, like, uh, fairness, that information is still up. Uh, we have a page that covers Ergo First Year Token. You can actually look at the distribution. Who signed up for the airdrop? Who got what? That is on-chain from Genesis. Now, unfortunately, it's on two chains, right? Uh, where you can follow it on waves. And then when Ergo Mainnet launched and Erg itself started being mined, uh, you know, then you can kind of track how the foundation was honoring that one-to-one -one for a period of time. Right on. Thank you very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining, Katos, and uh, thanks for bringing, uh, bringing your questions with you. Discover Ergo. How are you doing? Thanks for coming up and for being patient. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, doing well. So uh, I think Emmanuel might have like broadly touched on it. So if we do a, if we do a bridge to to Ethereum, because the account model is uh, so much more different to the UTXO or the UTXO, wouldn't it be simpler to do uh, a bridge to Bitcoin first? Yes, is the simple answer. Um, but it's also important to understand the features, functionality, and ecosystem of ethereum right so i'll use the example of a project on cardano right yeah bitcoin is uh you know kind of the let's say core asset in this space that many people look to is like the standard bearer leader but it doesn't have dexes so how's it going to benefit your project right like there are no markets on that chain um it's a great asset and collateral to attract into an ecosystem to you know build products around uh, but it doesn't offer functionality and market access the same way that ethereum would to say a project on cardano so we have to look at it both uh, from the perspective that some blockchains are going to be more access to a new type of collateral and others are going to actually be their own uh, market if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And uh, yeah, hopefully at some point we do get like, uh, obviously a bridge to Bitcoin because uh, the thing is, there's a lot of value to be had there. And uh, I, I do think, I do think like, uh, what is it? Uh, depending on network security, I mean, I can imagine Bitcoin living on different networks because, you know, uh, as we all know, uh, their security is going to come into question in the coming years. 
So, you know, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. But between now and then, we're going to have lots of time. Yeah, and, and there's another you know factor to consider as well, and that is there's a lot of forks of Bitcoin that, you know, kind of have their own, you know, uh, similar assumptions as to where, you know, a lot of that engineering can go to benefit the integration of a Bitcoin fork or Bitcoin-like system. So, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of value in, in searching for quality collateral, but I kind of distinguish, distinguish the two into separate classes to where one of them is like an actual market to access that every uh, token or coin that Rosen supports then is available in that market versus opening new collateral. Yeah, no, actually, that's that, that's very well said, because I, think, I guess what I'm looking at is something more long term and I guess in the short term that's a that's a much more grounded approach actually a lot more like pragmatic actually and also and also the EVM and Ethereum ecosystem is you know it's obviously most of the liquidity is is sitting over there and you know it'd be so good to see what kind of change or impact it will have when Ergo and Cardano get connected to to these ecosystems, and you don't have to go through any centralized exchange or anything like that anymore. So I think that will be very, very interesting to see. And like I said earlier, we haven't really touched on on the proposal around the EVM uh, bridge that um, that we will be doing um, in 2024. But I think it's it's one of the most important uh, things that we all, as as a community and ecosystem, should really consider having. Because um, after that, like you know, all these debates that we've been having, oh, you know, this this ecosystem has more liquidity and this and that. That's all gonna <laughs> that's all gonna disappear because then it's gonna be one big uh, ecosystem that everyone will be able to just connect and interact with. Discover yeah. ergo. Go, go ahead. From- for, well, I was just going to add to that, you know, from one perspective, if you can create that type of fluid exchange across blockchains, they almost become like their own exchange, right? To where you don't, I mean, okay, yes, like, uh, you know, Kraken and Coinbase are competitors, right? But they, you know, both offer, you know, similar services and then users, just, you know, go where they want to go. Uh, I think that, you know, bridging between ecosystems hopefully uh, creates a similar feel uh, between, uh, you know, different communities. Go ahead, Discover. Go. Right, yeah. So uh, I basically have a few uh, follow-up questions, which I'm going to rattle off. Uh, what is it? Uh, you know, uh, one at a time as, like, people answer them. So when it comes to, uh, what was it, I guess, speed and transaction when it comes to the bridge, uh, I know this is a bit of a difficult question. So just simply sticking with Cardano for now, uh, what is it? Is it one asset at a time? Can you bridge multiple assets at a time? And uh, what, in terms of TPS, and I know that's a loaded term, what TPS can we expect? That's a difficult question, right? But I can tell you the parameters that will kind of determine that, okay? Um, can transactions occur in parallel? Uh, yes. Now, in understanding the transaction process, watchers need to verify each transaction, right? And in order to do that, they need to spend a permit. 
So if we're talking about like concurrency of transactions, it depends on how many separate watchers have different permits in the system, right? Um, and ultimately that's going to be the mechanism that kind of scales uh, the amount of transactions or volumes that Rosen can actually settle. Um, now, when you get into settlement, uh, you get different assumptions from different blockchains, right? So like in proof of work, we have this idea of energy added uh, creates this concept of probabilistic finality, right? Um, that's different than a proof of stake consensus in terms of the assumption of finality. And so different ecosystems themselves, uh, you know, have basically the assumption that something is settled. Now, from a user perspective, you'll actually see that uh, on exchanges where, you know, if you send in one network, it may show up very quickly. And, you know, you may send in another network and it takes time for it to show up because the exchange wants to make sure that that uh, transaction has settled on the chain and it's not going to be reorganized or uh, disappear or anything like that, right? So when, when you're actually talking about cross-chain settlement, you have different assumptions on different chains that you then have to uh, kind of apply towards the settlement process. Uh, which is uh, very different than looking at like TPS on a chain itself, right? Uh, because finality is a different animal. Yeah, actually, that's a that's a lot to dig into. Actually, uh, yeah, now that I think about it, I think I think we'll obviously as time goes on, we'll get a clearer picture, uh, especially between different chains. Now, I was also going to ask about uh, parameters for the watches. So, you know, obviously, as time go, goes on, at the moment, I believe it's about 33,000 Rosen tokens uh, to be a watcher and also have a permit as well. Uh, how is this going to, is this going to change in the future? Will there be some kind of like governance feature and will it be like, you will you be using Padilla or some other feature? Yeah, I, I would like ideally uh, for there to be a um, DAO on Paideia that helps manage that. Now, it's important to understand here that permits themselves are actually an abstraction, right? They don't exist, which is, we, we introduced the concept because it's easy to visualize. Rather, what it is, is it's the cost to um, report a transaction, okay? And so, you know, if you look at the cost of a permit, it's not like the permit is some... Uh, object in reality. It's just a set cost within the system. Okay, so we have the ability to um, adjust that cost. So let's say that we need to increase the throughput of the bridge. The guards can, you know, uh, fight, argue, etc., come to some consensus or conclusion. We adjust that parameter. And let's just say, in theory, that we adjust the cost of a permit to half of what it currently is okay as a watcher they would simply see their permits double like they they wouldn't necessarily need to do anything now there's a secondary aspect there to consider which is the civil resistance mechanism the barrier of entry right let's say that uh, for whatever reason the cost of or price of ergo goes up and so then, you know, we may have to say, hey, 
you know, the economic barrier that we've set in order to create a watcher ID is too high. Uh, so we need to lower that. Well, there may actually be an economic use or value there for some watchers to say, okay, I'm going to redeem all my permits, uh, withdraw my collateral that I initially set up for my watcher, and then create a new one at a lower cost and kind of keep the difference, right? And let's say it goes the other way. It's actually not going to force anybody to put up more collateral. So uh, they don't need to worry about that. Once the watcher ID is in place, it's in place. Okay, great. Uh, and I guess this is a, a, a final question in terms of a, a bridge for um, Ethereum. Um, so, like, I, I guess, as, as best you can, uh, what would be your, your estimate time-wise for achieving this? And I know, there's a, I know it's a range as well. Sure. Well, I, am, I've, I said earlier that, you know, somewhat depends on uh, funding uh, because that will accelerate it, right? Um, I think that a realistic time frame... Uh, would be that when we really start to uh, dig into uh, that and if we have the funding to um, add some additional development support, which is what that would go to in essence, I would say four months maybe of development, two of testing, auditing, et cetera, before you know, six months is, is, would be like the soonest I would assume that something like that could be built well. Well, that's great. That's pretty. That, that's that's pretty quick. Uh, but yeah, I guess I guess we'll but see. That, yeah, uh, that that's the optimistic scenario in in my head right now. Uh, it would be that you know the community sees value in that. Uh, then you know we expand development resources, focus on that. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's realistic. Now, let's say that we didn't. Obviously, the time frame would slow down because, you know, it's just resource and bandwidth, everybody. Oh, excellent. Well, hey, thank you for answering all my questions. Uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully, like, you know, uh, we bring more awareness to it so we can, like, push that, like, uh, what's it? Um, yeah, like, pu push that cause forward. Thank you very much, Aminio. Yep. Thanks for coming up and uh, asking all those questions. Um I just I'm I'm actually going to go through now and uh, post a link for the uh, fund eleven proposal so everyone can can see it and uh, you know maybe whoever wants to go and engage with it by all means um, you're more than welcome to do so um, but with that being said I do have a couple more questions on the comment section um, we're getting close to an hour and a half mark so I just want to be aware and make sure I'll do you know I'll give it kind of like a last call um, if there's anybody else that would like to come up with their questions feedback or anything else for Rose and team uh, by all means you're more than welcome to do so um, I'm just gonna go Doug has some more follow-ups is there any concern that ergo security risk timeline emission schedule is short will come into question if ergo can be invisible for users but is the security for the bridge mining sustainability i would think would be always in mind so i'll stop there sure it's uh you know every system is going to inherit security assumptions right uh, ergo uses proof of work proof of work is generally driven by you know uh profitability uh, assumptions by miners right and i do think that rosen uh, is going to be a great tool for ergo itself uh, probably the biggest growing pain uh, 
we have had uh, is actually the cost of market access. If you look at everything that the Ergo Foundation has built, the actual cost of just paying exchanges to support open source software is our largest line item expense, which is fucking pathetic. But, uh, you know, then it created a problem. And so then we went to work and tried to create a solution. Thanks for that, uh, Joe. And I just have one more follow-up. Um, let me just find it super quick. Uh, da -da -da. Okay. Oh, why did it disappear again? One sec. Once the WID is set, yeah, I think that's the one. Once the WID is set, water stays, but if permit costs go up, it's possible to need to add locked RSN to maintain permits? I assume that's unlikely since more permits equals to more throughput, right? Yeah, I would I would say that in theory, um, you know, that parameter could get raised. And, and as I said, permits are an abstraction, okay? It's just an economic cost that you have to lock in order to participate in the watching process. So in theory, um, you know, the that price could go up for some reason and you know, then people would have less permits or if, in theory, if they had one, they wouldn't have enough value to cover the cost of that one permit. Now, we're on the other side of that problem at the moment, right? Based on the initial parameters that we set in terms of entry costs, you know, markets have moved past that. So at some point, I would assume uh, we need to adjust the other way where there's more permits in the system. But I can't dismiss that as a possibility in some uh, different situation, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much, Joe. Um, okay, I just made sure that I went through all the questions that we got along pretty much all the channels. I'm really hoping I'm not missing something. Um, with that being said, um, since we're concluding the space now, Joe, any final thoughts? And I'm not sure if uh, MHSM um, is is okay with his technical difficulties or not, but any final thoughts, any last words, things that you would like to share with the community for this year, for the year to come? Um, yeah, just the mic is yours. I would just say that like in terms of the crypto uh, world as a whole, um, there's kind of a special place in my heart for uh, the indie type developers, right? Uh, people that are kind of grinding in small teams and building cool stuff because they have a passion for it. And, you know, I think that right now, the way the market is structured, uh, those type of peers have minimal access. And so their main uh, chance of success is usually to sell out their project to somebody else and you know give away their destiny which sometimes you know leads to great things when you get a solid uh, partner on board and sometimes leads to just uh, exit liquidity um so i'm i'm hoping that like long term uh, a lot of the tools that uh, are built you know and you know rosen is definitely one of them but uh paideia i know that uh, you know, there's some of uh, those type of tooling uh, infrastructure support tools on Cardano uh, as well. I hope that they help uh, deliver uh, kind of 
business tools and market access for small teams to be able to build cool stuff. Uh, you know, sometimes we get like these, like I'm just going to say corporate pseudo decentralized things that, you know, they, day one, they launch with a professional marketing team and they have uh, paid the cost to list everywhere on day one. Um, you know, I, I hope that we can put tools in to see, uh, you know, grassroots growth because there's a lot of value in that. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm assuming MHS is still having some technical issues. Uh, I would love to hear from him as well as, you know, as we conclude the space. But I know, I know he's, he's with us and he's listening in. Um, I just, I just want to take, you know, one minute myself and just thank everybody for, for being around, for participating, for asking questions. This, this whole journey has been, you know, it's been quite a long one, right? We, the first time we, we first, um, you know, we, we got into the Cardano community talking about Rosenbrits, about all the stuff that, you know, we want to bring into and connect both ecosystems together. And now we're sitting on this space a few months later after being in NFT XLV, you know, we had this big Ergo Island uh, with the Sigma Nauts, with Bleach. Like, it was amazing, um, you know, getting getting this feeling, you know, getting the Ergo community with the Cardano community together. And fast forward to now, you know, we're having this amazing space today and Joe drops that bomb that says, oh, I used to say two weeks, uh, but, uh, you know, now it's two days. <laughs> So it's just, you know, it just shows that when people build, people have their head down, you know, and at the same time, they work together with each other without having this quote unquote stupid, you know, oh, my, my ecosystem is better than yours or, you know, whatever that we see that all the time, right? Instead of popping our bags, we've actually all came together. We built an amazing infrastructure that I believe in 2024 will bring so many different opportunities for all of us, you know, um, regardless on what, what we all want to do. So just, just looking back and seeing where we're here and where we're heading down the road, it's just it's amazing. It, it fills me up with so much energy and pumps me up because there's only great things that can happen. Either we're going to be in a bull market or we're still going to be in bear market. Things are getting built. And I think that's the most important thing uh, overall when you look back at the whole year um, with all the drama <laughs> that we've seen happening, all the hacks, all the money that's, that's been lost. And now we come out you know, getting into 2024 with, with a great protocol that our ecosystem is going to be able to use. And hopefully, you know, with within the next six months or nine months, we're going to be able to be connected with, with the rest of the EVM world and hopefully the Bitcoin world as well. And Rosen will be that, you know, I'll, I'll say the highway that everyone is going to be using to just go from the one place to another. So, just keep sewing up, guys. Um, 
we're still early <laughs> and there's there's exciting times ahead of us so thank you so much for joining this space to all the watchers uh and and cardano spos that have worked with us for the past three months at least um this journey has been amazing we all learned so much but more than anything i think the ergo and cardano community learn a lot from each other and I just can't wait to see what's what's coming in 2024. So with that, I just want to say thank you so much for joining uh, on this last Twitter space and AMA uh, for 2023. And really looking forward to see you all and talk to you all um, in the next weeks um, with Rose and live. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great uh, New Year's Eve. I hope you all spend some quality time with your family and we're going to be in touch again. Cheers. Have a good one, everybody.